Welcome to the Little Man Big Mouth Podcast with me, Jonah. I'm a kid who loves sports. I can talk about sports every day, all day. Think you can handle that? Then stick around for today's show. My guest today is Spencer Graham. He's one of the top junior golf coaches in the country. But first, let's check out some stories. Our first news story, COVID again. COVID-19 has affected a team once again in the NFL, the Denver Broncos. For Sunday's game against the Saints, they could not start any QB because all of their quarterbacks had close contact to COVID. Even Blake Bortles, who was on the practice card, could not play. They have to start Kendall Hinton, a rookie wide receiver, now at quarterback for this week. Next in the news, the NBA draft was a thriller. But what caught my eye was that after the draft, many teams started the preseason with trades. Some of them looked good, some of them looked like DeAndre Hopkins trades. So let's step back and look at my top three NBA preseason free agent pickups. One of the big ones for me was Chris Paul getting traded from OKC to the Suns, who already have Devin Booker, an excellent shooter. Another one was that the Bucks traded Eric Bloodsoe and George Hill for Drew Holiday from the New Orleans Saints to try and help Giannis. But I think this hurt them because they traded away a good point guard, Eric Bloodsoe, just to help Giannis, their favorite player. The last one was the rich get richer as the Lakers get Dennis Schroeder from OKC. Looks like OKC was a big part of these trades, but this helped them a lot because this added Dennis Schroeder to AD and LeBron James and Caldwell Pope. Strange news alert, people started to notice some unusual signs outside an elementary school in France. The poster featured an adult stick figure tossing a child-sized stick figure over the school's entrance gate. That's right, the school is asking parents to not throw their child over the gate if they arrive late to school. According to the principal, parents who arrived after the ringtone literally throw their child away. It hasn't happened that many times, but we prefer to take the lead. While there were no injuries, the practice alarmed school officials enough to post the signs. This makes me worried. I hope that child tossing will not be making an appearance at a future Olympic Games. That's all for the news. Now, our next segment is unscripted. Some shows have a mystery crate or a fancy producer to give them content. Me, I have a lucky Patriots hat. I'm going to draw out some news and opinions from the week and give you my unscripted reaction. These are not just hot takes. They are in fuego. Our first question is, Ohio State canceled the game over the Thanksgiving weekend. If they only play four or five games, should the Buckeyes be allowed into the college football playoffs? No because teams like BYU and Cincinnati have more wins than them, so they should be higher ranked than Ohio State and maybe give them a a better chance to get to the national championship.
Number two. The NBA plans to restart in December, but without a bubble, will the league have to return to Disney to finish their season? Probably not, because if the players can get a vaccine, stay healthy, and play enough games, there will be no Disney World this year. Question number three. Most years, college basketball teams play more than 30 games in a season. Will the average team play over or under 25 games this season? My prediction, over. Already, teams have played three or four games this season. This season kicked off well, and it will be a fun basketball season. March Madness is going to be back, baby. Now the fourth question. Pumpkin pie or pecan pie for Thanksgiving dessert? Pumpkin pie with whipped cream. And that does it, folks, for our unscripted segment. Our next segment is Stick by Your Picks. For those new to the show, Gabe and I dissect the NFL schedule one week at a time. We pick our winners for five games each week. These are ironclad picks. That's right, we are very confident. We will not change our minds or our picks no matter what happens between now and the game. Our lawyers have asked us to let you know that you should not bet your house on our picks. This is for entertainment purposes only. We are now up to week 15. Announcer, tell us the first game. The Buffalo Bills travel to the Mile High Stadium to play the Broncos. I think the Broncos will surprise everyone with the upset over the Bills. The Broncos' defense will show how tough they are by beating Josh Allen. Drew locked and loaded will beat the Bills as the Buffalo Bills will struggle with the, with the time difference and atmosphere and a scary Broncos D. Announcer, what is the next game? The New England Patriots travel to sunny Miami. The Dolphins will rip apart the Patriots, who have been horrific this year, and will get destroyed in South Beach. I disagree with you. The Patriots will try to finish strong and finally beat the Dolphins in Miami. Damian Harris will lead the charge with the run game. Announcer, what is the next game? The Chargers travel to Vegas to play the Raiders. I think a good Derek Carr with an amazing wide receiver core that will beat Justin Herbert and a terrible defense. I agree with you. The Raiders will win this one because the Chargers always lose in the end, somehow. Announcer, what is the next game? The San Francisco 49ers travel to play America's team, the Cowboys, in Dallas. The Cowboys will beat a beaten up 49ers defense. The 49ers will win as the Cowboys' QB situation has not been good, as without that, they have been terrible. Announcer, what is the last game? The Pittsburgh Steelers, fighting for a number one seed in the playoffs. Travel to visit the Bungles in Cincinnati. The Steelers will win this one as the Bengals lost star quarterback Joe Burrow and they have a terrible defense, the Bengals. 
I agree with you completely. Since the Bagels do not have Joe Burrow for the rest of the season, the Steelers will steamroll the Bengals. And that does it for, for Stick by Your Picks. Anasir, give us an update of the standings. Through week five, Gabriel was in the lead at, with a record of 15 and 11, and Jonah was at 14 and 12. Week six was a roller coaster for Gabriel. He made some good picks, but in the end, going three and two. Jonah, on the other hand, went five and zero, oh, taking the lead. After week six, it was Jonah nineteen and twelve. Gabriel at eighteen and thirteen. In week seven, both struggled to do well. Jonah was three and two. Gabriel was two and three, leaving Gabriel with a record of twenty and sixteen, and Jonah with a record of twenty-two and fourteen. Week eight. Jonah went four and one, continuing to build on the lead. Gabriel did well, still over five hundred at three and two, but he's falling behind Jonah. At that point, after week eight, Jonah was up twenty-six to fifteen. Gabriel was at twenty-three and eighteen. Week nine, Jonah went four and one, bringing his record to thirty and sixteen, while Gabriel stumbled with a one and four record, leaving him at twenty-four and twenty-two. Which means that through nine weeks of stick by your picks. Jonah leads by six games. Now Gabriel, stick around and give us his heroes and zeros. Thank you, Jonah. This is Heroes and Zeros, where we look at the best and the worst of the sports world. Our zero of the week is Coach Dabo Swinney. It's been a rough couple of weeks for Coach Swinney after losing to Notre Dame. His game against Florida State was canceled at the last second. Why was it canceled? Because Swinney allowed a player with symptoms to practice all week and that player tested positive for COVID-19. That made Swinney a zero for this week. Swinney earned the rare double zero status by doubling down. He attacked Florida State for canceling the game, saying that if they want to play, it will have to be at their expense and at Clemson. That's right, Swinney let the player with COVID play. He threatened the health of his team, and then he blamed the other school for being responsible. Coach Swinney, what a double zero. On the happier side of the spectrum, we have two heroes this week. The first hero of the week is Sarah Fuller, a soccer player at Vanderbilt University. Sarah made history this week by kicking for the men's football team after losing all their kickers to COVID. The team turned to Sarah. With her second half kickoff, she became the first woman to play in a Power 5 conference football game. Truly a hero and an inspiration to young women everywhere. Our other hero of the, of the week is Marcus Rashford, forward for Manchester United. While many athletes think only about themselves, Rashford spent this past year fighting to get meals for children in England. He created a campaign to raise awareness of hunger in schools and to get free meals for kids in need. Although the work is not yet done, we celebrate Rashford for his unselfish and generous actions. Marcus Rashford, a real hero. That's all for Heroes and Zeros. Now back to you, Jonah. My guest today is Spencer Graham, one of the top junior golf coaches in the country. Spencer founded the Junior Golf Performance Academy and is the Director of Player Development at Crow Creek Country Club. Hi, Spencer. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jonah. How are you doing? Amazing. 
I just played a round of golf. You did? Yeah. Oh, that's great. So how did you get into golf? My dad. um, My dad started me playing golf when I was three years old. And I'll be 48 in about a month. So I've been playing my entire life, pretty much. That's amazing. That's really cool. He was a he was a, um, a professional, not a professional golfer. He was a um, a club champion at his country oh. club, and he was a he was a scratch golfer. So he was pretty oh. good. Yeah. So he got me. He used to pull me out on the course with him, and then eventually, just got you know got playing in some tournaments. By the time I was nine or ten, yeah. and and just really enjoyed the game. Up, but I did play all all sports. Oh, okay. So that leads us to our next question. What other sports did you enjoy playing as a kid? That's that's a great question. <laughs> so I played um I I played my two best sport well, my three best sports were golf, baseball, and soccer. Oh. Um and I played um I played baseball. I was a third baseman and a pitcher. Um yeah. and I really liked that sport. Um I was actually pretty good at tennis too. I really liked tennis. Oh. And, um, I actually, um, did a, a few other sports as well, but mainly soccer, baseball, and then, but golf has always been my number one sport. From all of those sports and other sports, did you have a favorite player when you were young? Yeah. Um, so from golf, my favorite player growing up was Tom Watson who I don't know how much of the history that you know, Jonah, with him, but he was, um, he was Jack Nicholas's like biggest opponent. Oh. Um, so Tom Watson, I believe he won six British opens. Wow. Um, he's, he's won, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's won nine majors, but oh. okay. he's a great guy. In fact, it's funny that you have the Kansas background because he's from Kansas. Um, <laughs> And if you know Matthew, who's in yeah. our junior golf program, his dad just had Tom Watson here playing golf with him. Wow. <laughs> Which is kind of cool. So he was a great player. Um, he, he inspired me in many ways because I wasn't always for the favorite. I kind of like the underdog sometimes. Yeah. So it was cool to see him battle against um, Jack Nicholas. And I think that you would see um, – if you ever saw a great, like one of the greatest moments from Tom Watson, he played at Pebble Beach and he chipped in um, from the 17th green from really deep rough into the hole and ended up winning the um, oh. U.S. Open there. Wow. Yeah, that was a big win. So um, with regards to other sports, like when I was a kid growing up um, in baseball, my favorite my favorite baseball player as a kid was Pete Rose. And I also and, and I also really liked Mike Schmidt, who was my um, third baseman. I'm a Philadelphia Phillies fan, so having ah. having Pete Rose and the Phillies and, and Mike Schmidt there, that was those were my my greatest with baseball. Um, and I, I mean, I was a fan of every sport, so I have favorite football players, and I have favorite <laughs> everything, you know, tennis and all that. Again, baseball um, is like my biggest pastime and and I football is probably my favorite sport okay so what put you on the path to being a coach and working with kids that's a great question too I I started um I started helping out my friends when I was probably about your age oh and I realized that as I was getting older 
Um, I was very competitive and I was a highly ranked junior golfer, but I, the competitive side for me was like, um, you know, I, I kind of knew by the time I was 20 or 21 years old that I, that what I wanted to do was actually help others. So I got wow. into coaching. Um, I, I did play professional golf for two years and I couldn't really make it too far. I would say like double a baseball, something similar. Um, maybe a couple triple A events, but nothing major. And I just really enjoyed coaching. So I started my own Academy when I was, um, when I was 20, so uh, wow. 20, 21. So I was, so I'm, I'm, I'm almost 27 years into coaching now. Wow. Um, I did. I only went to one year of college. I, I went to one year of college and then I turned professional wow. and um, I spent two years of professional golf living in Florida. And then once I, um, once I got finished um, kind of realizing that I didn't want to live that life of like paycheck to paycheck, it was pretty hard. Um, I realized pretty quickly that teaching people um, that I could make a good living. And I also got to, I have grass as an office, which is like my favorite, you know, thing <laughs> to be able to go out and help people um, getting into junior specifically. I, maybe by the time I was like 30, I was known in the Northeast of the United States for um for coaching like highly skilled junior and college players and um i sort of specialized in that um although i still to this day work with a lot of adults um really good amateurs college players um club champions from around the area professional golfers and i just but i i like coaching kids the most because it it's giving back to the game that I enjoyed so much growing up and throughout my entire life and to be able to give back to any kind of knowledge that I can give them. Um, it just makes, you know, it puts a smile on my face and makes it all worthwhile. Yeah. Who's the best player you coach? <laughs> well, that's a good question. That's kind of hard to answer. Cause if I answer one person, I might get in trouble with somebody <laughs> else. <laughs> I've had a lot of great players through the years. Uh, the one of the best players, I, I, somebody's name that always comes to my mind. You, you may have never heard of him, but his name is Eric Onessi, and he's a left-handed golfer. Um, I started teaching him when he was ten, and he actually missed the PGA Tour by like three shots when he was a twenty-one-year-old. Um, he continued to try to make it to the PGA tour. He played on the Canadian tour, the PGA Latino American tour, um, and many web.com nationwide tour events. And he's in his thirties now, and he still is a highly skilled golfer, just has never made it to the top level. Mm -hmm. That one would be the, the one that I maybe have trained the longest from youth to the highest level. I've worked with several, um, LPGA players, um, um, Sarah Jane Smith, Paula Rito, Anna Scott. There's some names that, wow. um, that have been out there, but it's, um, but yeah, it's kind of hard. And I've, I've coached 10 junior world champions. So like each one of them are great champions. Um, they were the number one in the world for their age division. And that meant a lot. Um, and I'm, still working with most of them and if not all of them and, and it's it's a lot of fun to uh, watch the progress let's keep the topic on the golf let's okay. talk about the masters what was your first reaction to watching the masters being played in november 
I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like it. (laughs) I didn't like it. I know that we're forced. It's been a terrible year for us, um, all of us. And it was really comforting for, for many of us in the golf industry and also for just even junior golfers like yourself to, that at least we held the masters this year and we didn't just bypass it. Um, It was good to see that they put safety precautions in place and were able to get through the week without, um, I believe it was only one guy leading into the tournament that got tested positive, but um, it was great to have. I, I, I don't like, I don't like Augusta in the fall. The, the fairways are too wet and the, it's just not the same without the azalea bushes and all the beautifulness of the speed of the greens wasn't the same. And yeah, you know, also they had to blow the whistle cause it kept getting dark. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's definitely a huge problem as well. <laughs> um, yeah. I think they had a delay uh, if I'm not mistaken, the first day, uh, wasn't it like a two hour rain delay? Yeah, it was. And so that's what threw everything off for the entire week. They, they actually had a plan in place to, to have it carry over into Monday if they weren't going to be able to finish, but they were able to complete it because they didn't have any more rain delays. That was the yeah. leftovers from the storm that we had here in, yeah, yeah. in South Florida. So talking about the greens and the atmosphere, how did having no fans impact the players? It's a huge deal for me. I mean, everybody that I've spoken to, um, that kind of goes a little bit into what we do with coaching, Jonah, Yeah, is that we we don't like kids to like listen to music when they're playing um, or when they're practicing too much because we we feel like the the real environment of, of tournament golf or playing golf is around other sounds um, and not being distracted by you know the soothing sounds of you probably listen to like Kenny Rogers. <laughs> I don't know what your music is, man, but like I, I listen to country music sometimes and I got a lot of fun music I listen to, but what I'm trying to tell you is like not having the fans has made a huge difference. Um, players that play with a lot of nerves, although there's not that many out there on the tour, but there is, everybody has nerves, yeah. but the players that, that don't hear the crowds roaring and all the things that happen, um, I don't think it would have affected Dustin Johnson. I, I don't think it would have affected him. He's, he's too laid back and very stoic in his personality now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in the old days when Tiger Woods would win the Masters, the whole thing would erupt. You could hear, you could hear from Aiken, South Carolina, Augusta National, and it's like, I mean, people roaring, and 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 when those kind of things happen, um, you know, somebody birdies six holes in a row, it it does put put you on edge if you're a player. So the whole year, and especially the Masters, has not been the same with no crowds. Yeah. But, so talking about Justin Johnson, he ran away to win this year. What made his game so special and so much better than everyone else? I think he's realized, well, I think he's in a really comfortable spot in his lifetime. And what I mean by that is that, you know, he used to hit a draw um, and he used to hit a right to left shot and he switched over to a cut in the last few years. He's won 20 but six times now on the, on the yeah. PGA, I think. So, you know, he's, he's obviously an amazing talent, extremely athletic. Um, his short game, I noticed his short game got better. And I think I would attribute a little bit of that to the fact that he plays a little bit more of a cut now where he hits the ball slightly left to right, controls the ball, 
still hits it very long, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's, it's a, um, it's, it was a no brainer for him winning this year. It was one of, one of my favorite picks. So we just talked about one of the best players this year to, for the Masters. Let's talk about someone lower. Let's talk about Bryson DeChambeau. Do you think he can win a lot of tournaments with his approach? Yeah, he will. Um, the distance thing is definitely going to get him in some places that he can overpower golf courses. I think he underestimated the Masters. I think he underestimated Augusta. He, um, you know, he kind of shot himself in the foot when he said in the interview that his par was 67. And then in the first round, he got, you know, he tied Larry Mize, who averaged, I saw the stat today, he averaged 247 yards off the tee and shot and tied him at the age of 64, what? I think he was. Yeah, Larry Mize, look it up. First round and second, he made the cut. You know, I mean, it's just insane. So distance didn't get him, it got him into trouble. Even though it may have gotten him a few birdies in each round, it got him into trouble where at Augusta and some courses – many courses, he's going to get himself into trouble if he just tries to blast off on every every single hole. That's true. Like, you can't just win with power. You have to win with I guess, a short game also. I think you have to have a great balance. I mean, when you find a player that has amazing short game and they have length, that's a home run. Let's Roy McIlroy, you know, <laughs> like he's always going to be there. He's always going to be somewhere near the lead. I mean, he shot 75 in the first round. And then he came back and fit. I mean, he was unbelievable the next two rounds. Yeah. I think he shot 65, 65, maybe, or something like that. It was or 65, 66 or something. He was really close in the, and he, you know, but he came back so strong and, uh, and that's amazing. Um, all around, all around good players, not just heavy, heavily great in short game or heavily great in long game. Okay. We talked about some, I guess, young players or players who just uh, were winning finally like their first Masters or trying to win a lot of tournaments. Let's talk about someone who's won a lot. Do you think Tiger will ever win again? He will. Yeah, there's no doubt about it that I think he'll win another event. I don't know if he's – it's hard for me to say if it will be uh, a major. Even I know he focuses on those. Um, but – it's it's going to be interesting to see with his health. That's the biggest thing is his, his back and his knee and everything's kind of but, – but age doesn't mean anything anymore. I mean, look what Bernard Longer did in the Masters this year. I mean, That's true. So, you know, Tiger, if he decides to keep playing the rest of his life, I mean, he, you never know what he could do. I don't think he's going to meet, catch up to Jack with the Masters – with the Majors um, okay. title. Okay but I do believe that he has an opportunity to win at Augusta again or another, maybe even like a British open or something where he can just, you know, he doesn't necessarily need the, the long, long ball. As a coach, what do you see when you watch professionals and how can amateur players learn from watching pros? Uh, that's a, that's another awesome question there. So um, amateur golfers um, have a lot of fear they um, they try to play they kind of try to play outside of their game professional golfers and like high level juniors college and amateur players they they understand where they're going to miss the ball 
they know when they're going to, if they have a bad shot, that it's not the end of the world. Professionals, especially, they know they can make a double bogey, but they also know that they can make seven birdies. <laughs> so they don't fear. Um, and I'll give you a good idea or kind of a, something similar to what fear is, is it like a professional golfer from a hundred yards, they're hitting like a sand wedge. Um, most amateurs can hit a hundred yards. Actually, most players from inside of a hundred yards should all be the same professionals, juniors, well, maybe not junior juniors, like too young, but everybody has the same ability to be a great putting putting player. Everybody has the same, it doesn't matter what your age is. And um, what I see different with professionals is that from a hundred yards in, they are trying to knock the ball in the hole on the first shot. Like they, the, from the, from the fairway from a hundred yards, they're trying to dunk the ball in the hole. The average amateur is like, Oh, I want to get it within 10 feet. And the average, like regular golfer, that's not even a great amateur player is like, Oh, I just hope I hit the green professionals are like, I want to knock it in the hole. Now they know if they aim small and they miss, they're going to miss small. So if they're, they really zone in and have a lot of confidence from inside of a hundred yards. And that makes a big difference. That, I guess that makes a bigger difference between a regular golfer, a professional, and an amateur. I think so. Yeah, I think that, and you know, it's the it's the mental side, and also obviously they get to they get to play golf every day of their life, so that makes yeah. a huge difference as well. It's their it's their living and their livelihood. So, so you've been answering good answers. Here's a big question: What is more important, short game or driving? In my, in my opinion, um, short game is way more important um, and only simply because I have some great players who weren't necessarily the longest players, but they always got up and down around the greens. And that makes people that are longer when you're playing competitively against them, it drives them insane. When they, when, a, when they hit a long drive and they hit the ball to 20 feet from the hole and somebody that hits it 50 yards behind them but knocks it within 10 feet or knocks it just off the green but chips it in, that really gets in the head of those longer hitters. So um, obviously the great, greatest thing would be to have a blend of long distance and have a great short game. I think that DJ – put it right. I mean, at the masters this year, he's a long enough hitter, really long hitter, but he dialed it back a little bit, but his short game has gotten so much better, especially his putting. Mm -hmm. So what is the biggest tip you can give a junior golfer like me who wants to improve? Um, so a junior golfer like you, I would say that number one is practicing with, um, quality over quantity. Oh. It's, it's not how many golf balls you hit. It's not the amount of days that you put in. It's the, it's the quality of your practice when you go and you practice or you play. Um, I would say that you need to play as much as possible mm -hmm. because juniors, you know, and especially today, so many people spend so much time on the driving range and when we were growing up as kids, we didn't really have too many driving ranges. And like, we, I mean, we did, but we just didn't go to them as much. And we used to just play golf all the time. And that's what made us better players. 
is putting ourselves in those situations. You have to have an objective when you're hitting golf balls. If you're working on your golf swing and trying to change something, the, the objective needs to be focused singularly on that instead of focusing on 10 different things to change in your swing. Um, keeping it sort of simple, it can be very, it can be very, um, it could be physics. It could be things that are that are tough to understand. But if you're working on one thing at a time, um, it makes it it makes your your progress get a lot faster. And um, most people that I see, just even to this day, I see people that just beat golf balls on the driving range and they don't ever get any better. Um. They're not really they're they're not the quality of their practice is not good. So focusing on a target and hitting it to it five times and then switching clubs or um, having having putting games, even with your friends, like playing 18 holes on the putting green for a dollar a hole. I mean, I'm not trying to incorporate, I'm, I'm not trying to encourage gambling for you juniors out there, but the truth is, is that when I was a kid, I mean, we did that for a quarter, for a nickel, for what I, you know, for whatever the money was. Sometimes I, my dad would say, okay, I'm not going to give you any money or he would like, you have any money on you? I'm like, he's, I'm like, no, I don't have any. And my friends would be on the driving or on the putting green. And I would still walk up to them and be like, okay, guys, we're going to play for a quarter, a hole, knowing that I had no money in my pocket. And they knew that I would always, you know, we would just, but in the end, in the grand scheme of things, we were just playing for fun. It wasn't like, you know, a casino operation. <laughs> it was just fun, you know, going back and forth. Um, but that's how we learned how to deal with pressure was when, when you have no money in your pocket and you tell everybody, Hey, I'm here to bet you a quarter, a hole. And you go up there and you win and you walk off with $5 from three different guys. Like it's, it's like, yes. And then when you lose, it's like, uh Oh, I, <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. So it didn't happen. <laughs> find new friends. You find new friends. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I am very curious if you could play any other sport, what would it be? I, I think that if I was able to play another sport, are you talking about now or maybe or when I was growing up? Anytime. Okay. So if I was able to play another sport right now, um, I would actually want to be in CrossFit. What? Yeah. What? CrossFit competitions like Thor. <laughs> I, I admire that kind of work ethic and and how hard that is um i've seen a lot of people go through the transformation like thor i mean i've watched him grow over the last five years to this giant you know papa protein is what we call him and um <laughs> we we um you know I, I i do work out twice a day and i've and i've you know put a lot of time into my life with that. I, I probably could never be on the same level as a young guy like Thor with his CrossFit. But, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you that I did play a lot of basketball as a kid as well. Oh, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the basketball court and I'm like, how can I forget my basketball career growing up? So um, when I was a kid, I really wanted to be um, a wide receiver in football. Oh. Um, or a running back, but I just never grew to the size. I'm five eight, like two hundred pounds, which I guess is the same size as Nick Chubb, who ran for like I don't know how many yards on my Eagles today. But um, you know, I just never pursued that, and I always was focused on golf. All right. So thank you, Spencer. I really appreciate you being my guest today. As a part of every interview, I ask my guests to take a short, rapid fire quiz. 
I will give you two options. You choose the one that you like best. Are you ready? I'm totally ready. Here we go. Marvel or DC? Marvel. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Being inside or outside? Definitely outside. Car or motorcycle? Car. Chair or couch? Couch. Football or football? <laughs> it's foot. It's football. Pool or beach? Oh man, that's tough. Beach. Netflix or Amazon Prime? Uh, Amazon Prime. Hot dog or hamburger? Hamburger. Nice job. <laughs> All right. Those are, those are great questions. And finally, my listeners really want to know, what is your highest score in bowling? <laughs> my highest score in bowling. All right. So I bowled a two. Let me see. Hold on. Gosh, I haven't bowled in a while. I'm going to say it was like a 260. Congratulations. Per, pretty high number. Like I've had some pretty good uh, lucky strikes. <laughs> <laughs> lucky, lucky strikes. Yeah. Lucky, lucky. strikes. Yep. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been fun talking with you. And Jonah, thank you. This is an awesome program that you got going on and good luck thank to you. you in your future. Thank you, Spencer, for that amazing interview. Now, what would SportsTrack be without list? Bupkis. So here's my list of the day. Top five Thanksgiving side dishes. Number five, green bean casserole. It has green beans. Ew. Hate green beans. Number four, cornbread. Veggies and carbs combined, yummy. Number three, stuffing outside of the turkey. It's a classic. Number two, cranberry sauce. You can put it on turkey, yummy. And my number one Thanksgiving side dish is sweet potato casserole with marshmallows. It is amazing. And that does it, folks, for my for Little Man Big Mouth Podcast. Check out our next episode when it drops. Until then, see ya. Follow us on Instagram at Little Man Big Mouth Show. You can find the Little Man Big Mouth podcast on your favorite podcast provider. Listen, rate, and subscribe to let others know how much you enjoy the show. This has been a Hefeweizen podcast production.